ladies and gentlemen, you are now tuned in to Good Vibes with Jason B. Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Good Vibes with Jason B, a Broad Minds and More podcast. This is Deficit to Asset 2, the building. That's what we're really going to call this. In this episode, we're going to discuss about your personal you. We're going to talk about what is really distracting you and cutting you off from the real things that matter to processing and excelling and prospering, but what you really are developing your real strengths. It gets really personal because in this journey for the last, I probably would say four or five weeks, I've been researching, discovering and going through my own lessons. I was talking to a good friend one day about how to develop confidence. We were both coming up with decisions and ideas, but couldn't come with something concrete. Then one day I was listening to another podcaster from a series called Order of Men. And this guy was talking about, you know, four things that you need in order to build confidence. Now, confidence is not something like a, uh, something you're born with, but it can be influenced and encouraged to grow how you're raised people you're around, the environment, so on and so forth. So there's a few things that on Order of Men, the speaker Ryan Meckler was talking about. You know, he said the first thing is courage. If you develop courage in making the decisions regardless of the influences and consequences to make your decision and stake and claim in life, you're more than likely going to have confidence. But it takes a lot of practice. It takes failures and successes at the same time. You have to be able to appreciate the process. Courage isn't something that everyone has instilled in them. Many times people are influenced to do just the opposite and run or quit. So we're going to talk about that in real detail on another episode of this. The second thing is he he described was consistency. The more that you do something, the more that it is. It's like practice. So if you wanted to be a baseball player, how many times do you have to swing the bat? How many times do you have to throw the ball? And how many times do you have to practice in in situations over and over and over? It doesn't matter how many times. It just has to become natural and a part of you. So that's something really important. If you're making a podcast, making a YouTube station, becoming a financier, becoming a lawyer, doctor, accountant, metaphysical teacher or even a life coach or meditation teacher the more you do it the more you practice it you find that it becomes something natural of you so consistency is a big stake in all of it you got to be consistent about your action and determining that's the action you're going to follow through a lot of times we're discouraged from being who we really are who we want to be it could be from your parents your peers Or maybe where you come from. Maybe it's a culture. In the United States, there's a thing that's going on or has been going on for quite some time. And for some reason, people are discouraged from really being who they naturally are. There's a movement of people trying to discover who am I and what should I do? People are constantly seeking advice. Even I myself have sought advice. I've been scared unwilling to make a decision on my own. But the one thing that I have done is constantly work at this. I have trained my life over the last few years to work with my consistency and courage at the same time. I'm not afraid to say say or speak my mind. That's never been the problem. But the problem is, is being able to stick to my guns and stick to where I am and not change because I'm going to displease someone or not have approval. Let's face it, a lot of times we don't have approval. So we're gonna go on to the next one. We're gonna go on to competence. Understanding, you know, confidence comes from competence of understanding of what it is that you're doing, 
why you're doing it, knowing that it takes a certain level of knowledge, practice, skill, and desire inside. It's very, very important. And I think that in order to have true confidence, it's like, again, the, the analogy of a professional, a baseball player, or even a professional. Yeah. Let's just talk about a professional baseball player. Let's talk about one of my, my particular favorites. You know, I look at guys like Pablo Sandoval and guys towards the end of his career, but you look back at his history and when I was watching the last game of the San Francisco Giants play last Sunday, the speeches they were saying goodbye to, to Bruce Bochy as their manager and head coach, he was saying that how important it was that he had the support from his coach, that a lot of his abilities probably wouldn't be what they are today or have been had it not been for his coach. But one thing that he was not really saying, the amount of time, the amount of effort, the amount of place that it took to actually participate in becoming that player. A coach can teach you all he wants, but it's going to be up to you to understand and learn why you're learning it for the purpose and why you're doing it. It's a big deal in my mind. When I look at Pablo Sandoval, I remember him in the 2012 World Series. He was the MVP, hit three home runs in one game. You know, and then after a while, it was really weird. The 24, you know, the next year, they, the Giants didn't come back to the playoffs. But the year after 2014, they came back with a vengeance. And it seemed like the Giants from 2010 to 2014 had this cycle, this re-asserging cycle of being winners every other year. You would hear the fans talk about how it was to be a winner. Oh, they're going to, it's, you know, even years or whatever, every other year. But that wasn't necessarily the truth. Having confidence of knowing what it takes to step up to the plate or even play third base or even be a pitcher. It took a lot of practice and a lot of understanding and a lot of willingness to open yourself up to knowing what you're really going after. There are so many sports teams that understand this to a great deal. Let's even take football, for instance. One of the teams that is probably, I would have to say, most uh, disliked because they keep winning is the New England Patriots. You got Tom Brady. Guy was not picked in the first round draft to becoming their head quarterback. Nope. The guy took a lot of practice, took a lot of understanding. It took time to learn the confidence that it took to be a National Football League quarterback, let alone the, one of the statistically most talented quarterbacks of this genre. Now, I'm not going to say that there isn't better quarterbacks or that there haven't been and there's different parameters, but for this time and the purpose of what we're talking about, Tom Brady has shown not just a level of confidence, but competence. He understood what the stakes were. You have 16 games to play through a season and 16 teams that you're going to have to get through. None of it is guaranteed. Now, some may say that, well, what about deflate gate? Well, that's a circumstance, but still doesn't mean that he didn't have to throw the ball or be able to call plays or work with his coaches, work with play coordinators to be able to develop the strategies to get past the next team. It took a long time and over the last 10 years, maybe even longer, I would have to maybe say 14 years, it took quite a bit of time to build the knowledge and skill and wisdom to being a winning quarterback like he is. Competence is more than just uh, a knowledge though. Sometimes it's a feeling, it's a gut feeling. When, you're, when your gut works with your brain together, you're usually on the right track. If something, something in your gut tells your mind, I really don't think this is a good idea, more than likely, it's not a good idea. So I was reading something more about that competence, um, but we're going to get to that in a moment, and then, then we're going to go to the fourth factor. Now, um, 
the fourth I would have to say is, and I kind of missed the last part, I, but I'm, I heard part of what he was saying, Ryan was saying was manifesting the first three steps. You have to feel it. You have to think it, you have to believe what you're doing that builds confidence. I can't argue with that, to be really honest with you. I think that's a very, those are very valid points. So in deficit to asset, learning to change your situation, is going to have to take confidence, knowing that you're going to be able to dig yourself out of a hole that no matter what you face, it's not the help that you're going to get. It's not the resources that you're going to have or that you don't have. It's all about your creativity and problem solving skill sets that are going to gain momentum. Yes, momentum. Momentum is something that you need. And as I was going through my own deficits and looking at my finances, looking at my decisions, even looking at my own relationship of who a, a woman I, I fell de deeply in love with over the last five years, I really found out what it meant to really be in love with somebody. But not just that, a more important factor. What is it that I'm willing to give to get? At times, we discuss the problems in our relationship. Sometimes I wasn't leading as a man. Her vision of what she needed in a partner may have not been what I thought or what I thought as being a partner and vice versa. We had constant issues and trust, lying, deceiving. And then I started thinking about being grateful. Why am I here? Now, lately I've had issues to where I was trying to discover what was the disconnect with me first. I've been through therapy, been through steps, read plenty of books, been spent countless nights until I came to a conclusion. I had to let go. I had to let go of what my attachments were and I still have some attachments, but what I really came to really understand even more was the purpose of all of it. We're brought together for different reasons and seasons. Sometimes it's temporary. Sometimes it's just for a long time, but nothing is ever permanent. We are not permanent as people. One of the things that you're going to have to develop when you're becoming from a deficit to an asset is letting go of what you hold in consequences for yourself. Maybe the shame, maybe you were, you're blaming how you were raised. Maybe, um, you made such bad choices in finance that you just can't see yourself or a way out other than the keeping the course that you've been steering. But like anything in life, just like a captain in a ship steering through rough seas, a lot of times a captain can't see past what's in front of him. He has to have faith. He has to have courage and confidence knowing that this storm is going to pass. That's everybody. Everybody deals with that in some way, fashion or form. So going from your lack to something positive and someone you really can envision yourself, you're going to have to have a clear vision. I'm not saying anything new. There are plenty of motivational speakers out there to tell you exactly what it is and how to get there. But there's always a price tag of their formulas. You're going to have to develop your own. Now there are lots of information that's out there for free. I always feel that the person out there really searching for the teacher or the information to develop the skill set and becoming the person they could see themselves being starts from the vision themselves how they see themselves in the mirror, how they see themselves, how they talk, they walk and they act very, very important. If you don't see where you're going and you're just guessing or hoping, well, you might as well take all the money that you've ever earned in your life and pour it exactly in a bucket with a big giant hole in it. You're not saving anything. You're not keeping anything and you're going to end up in misery. I've gone through that and still going through that, but you have to have the inner desire that knowing that what you're going to be working on is really going to benefit feeling it, thinking it, seeing it, planning it out to a point. But I also have to leave in, I guess you could call it the X factor, the unforeseen factor that you don't know the terms of. 
Life's obstacles. Life's obstacles are put there for a reason. When you can't get past something, it's meant there to teach you. Sometimes you have to go through the lesson over and over, 20 times, 10 times, three times, two times, one time. No matter how many times you have to learn that lesson, you're gonna have to realize that it is here for a purpose. I was talking to my life coach the other day and we were discussing what's getting in the way. And then I was talking to another um, meditation teacher trying to ask, well, how could I use meditation? Which meditation should I use to help me get past and get over this problem? They both had something in common to say, let it come through. What is it really telling you? Ask it, what am I denying? And that's a big key, denying. Denial is a big, big thorn in our backs or in our seats or even in your foot. It's the thing that won't let you take another step forward. It can get in the way of your confidence, your courage, your decision-making, your critical thinking. There's so many people that have lacked all of it, but where do we go and how do we become? That's what so many people are asking. Now, this part is going to be weird, but it'll make sense if you do it. I call it walking in the woods. Walking in the woods, not knowing where you're going, but you know that you got to get somewhere. Sometimes you got to get lost a little bit to know exactly where you're going. Just like as I was reading in this book called um, Money and the Laws of Attraction by Jerry and Esther Hicks. What a wonderful book. It talks about the feelings, the knowledge, the disconnect, um, the strategy of taking what you know and what you don't know and having it all work for you. Now, I've read about the laws of attraction and thought I was using it right. I was so far from the truth. I was wrong. Learning about the laws of attraction is something that it doesn't matter whether it's good or bad. It's constantly working and ever shaping. You may have learned about it on the book called The Secret by Rhonda Byrne. Maybe you've even watched The Secret. There's so many resources on the laws of attraction. It takes more than thinking and it takes more than feeling. Sometimes it just takes raw work. Sometimes you have to just start taking steps till you realize what you don't want to do or don't want to go to the place that you do want to go. You have to be willing to take that chance. That's one of the things that is so peddled in the, in the world today to not take a chance. Unsecured ideas or creativity is discouraged in the highest degree. If you think about it, the people that have failed so much around you or taught you and been the examples to you, their shortcomings become yours. It becomes a cycle, becomes generational. I was thinking not long ago about the story of um, the luck of the Irish and what that meant. It was one of those ideas that if you're Irish, you're, uh, you're more than likely cursed or to find um, hard, hard times always. So it wasn't so lucky. I learned that being poor was a mentality, but being rich is also a mentality. Learning the difference between the lack and abundance in an asset, there's not much of a difference. It's either go right or go left. Now, a lot of people try to say, well, what about the middle? Yes, there is a balance. There are failures. Some people let failures to determine their next course of action or never to do. Now, I'm not saying that's not wrong, and I'm not going to say that it's totally right. But you got to understand something, something bigger and better, something grander. Who have you really saw yourself? Did you see a person of success? They had money. Maybe they had a house. Maybe they had possessions. Maybe they were just so happy of being who they were. But you came up with this vision or chemistry that thinking that you have to do certain things to, to get this. Now, granted, there is a formula for success, but it's not the same for everybody. What is common and sane, same for everyone, is desire your true desire. And that's figuring that out. As I've been raising my girls and especially my, my soon to be 12 year old, you know, I asked her, what do you want to be? You know, what would you like to look into? What are things that you'd be interested in? And she told me an orthodontist. Now she's 12 years old and that decision could change. But my daughter, 
would tell me I have such a hard time in mathematics or I have such a hard time in reading. And I said, in order to become what you want, you got to practice the things that take to become that. She's like, okay, <laughs> what do you mean? So I thought about it long and hard. I thought about my own personal desires, my personal desire to be an attorney, what it takes to be an attorney, what the sacrifices entail to becoming an attorney, the countless hours, the countless time in reading, negotiating, listening, and keeping emotional control, no matter how you may be discouraged or frustrated with your circumstances. No matter what, you have to understand that your circumstances are there for a reason. Sometimes you've created them. Sometimes you put things in place that keep you there and don't let you become who you really want to be. Having a clear vision of who you want to be is a big deal in all this process. Now, as I was discovering and researching this process of deficit to asset, it's really a lifestyle of living. You're going to have to change, maybe even change the people that you're living around. Maybe the people you're living around have a mentality of lack. Sometimes you're going to have to separate yourself. Now, if it's your own family, which a lot of times it is, I myself have had to make this decision as I've been living with my mother for, for quite a few years and being the age that I am, I started to realize something as in my relationships and why they would fail. They were coming from a lack. They were coming from a desire of not to have an encouraging and fulfilling relationship. Now I'm not blaming her. I'm not blaming my mother, not one bit. Actually inside my mom's a really loving person, but the disconnect for her is, is that she stopped. She accepted a condition and not to try to challenge that condition or maybe even fix the conditions in which she operates to having a fulfilling, loving relationship. It's a big deal. In order to change who you are or change how things are for you, you're going to have to work on the things, the inequities to making your, your life an equity, storing up knowledge, knowledge that was actually going to work. I've read countless books and countless information. I've gathered so much stuff, but how much of it is actually practical and useful. So there's plenty of people in this world to give you advice how to live, but you're still going to have to come up with the game plan and design for yourself. Not everyone's plan is the same, but if you really want to find out what it's going to take, find the people that are already doing it and already living, find mentors. And like, uh, what's this guy's name? Um, God, I think it's Emmett LaVey. Oh, I, I can't even remember this guy's name. He, he said something that was really, really impressive that I really liked. He said in one of his podcasts, go and find your mentors and make them your friends. And how interesting was that in itself? Go find your mentors. Go find your teacher. I've read this in one of my favorite books that was out there. Um, oh, that's right. His his name is Ed Milet. Excuse me. That's right. He was saying, I was looking at Tony Robbins and all these people, and now they're my friends. The company, a lot of times that you keep, are going to help you in your momentum be specific in your design. Don't just say you're going to be wealthy and rich. Have an exact amount or the exact position that's your goal. Design everything that you do around those goals. Now, I'm not that. See, this is nothing that, that's new. That I can't. This is nothing that isn't already peddled out there. But what isn't peddled is to seek your own individuality, to seek your own creativity. And know that you're not just trying to get rich or wealthy to get away from your problems. You're learning from, you have to be able to come to a point of learning from your problems so that the disconnect or the disharmony in your soul is no longer in existence. Like Jerry and Esther Hicks, they would say, don't say what you don't want and don't think, you know, try not, try to corral yourself into feeling and thinking into the things that you do want. 
Um, I was listening to also another podcaster who talked about that specifically last night in one of his meaningful episodes. Um, I think his name is um, Dean Grazorius, something like that. So I really found value in what he said. Yeah, his name is Dean G-R-A-Z-I-O-S-I. So I don't know. Have a hard time pronouncing the guy's name, but you know, that doesn't distract and take away from the feeling. You're gonna have to I remember also learning from the secret when they were talking about you've gotta feel it, imagine it, manif- let it manifest. A lot of your actions and your thoughts come are gonna come from that subconscious training, habits, disciplines, very for very inform informative, and it's gonna help you really get past your episodes, your deficits, the things that take you back, that don't let you progress. You know, I'm putting this to practical use in my daily life. Um, I have been journaling every day. I have been reading. I've been studying. I've been spending less time. Like today was actually the first day that I actually peeped the news. Yes, the news. I've been on a news diet for the last couple of weeks. And to tell you the truth, I didn't miss it. When I checked back and I was watching the news, the same kinds of things, the controversies, the misery, the conditional conditions in which you have to accept things or the laws are being made. And this is how you got to live. Everyone's always trying to tell you how to live. You're going to decide that you're going to decide what success really means. That's what you really have to think. It has to, you have to take your purpose inside yourself. And I don't want to tell you, go find yourself. You know exactly who you are. Write down your name and look at yourself in the mirror and look at all your accomplishments. And that's who you are. That's what you've done. Now, if you don't like what you see or you don't like what you've done, go improve the actions. It can't get any more simpler than that. If you take the time to improve yourself, not change who you are, change your choices, change the outcomes. Simple as that. Just like on Jack Canfield's um, success uh, success principles that he would speak about, you know, event plus response equals outcome. Your responses to the events is going to determine outcomes and consequences. There's always prices. How far are you willing to pay or what you're willing to pay? A lot of times I hear people say, even for example, I can't count how many friends have told me that have approached diets and say that I want to get in good shape, but not one of them ever said, I just want to really be healthy specifically and not just losing weight. Isn't that an interesting aspect? I'm 46 years old. I have diabetes and I've had addictions to sugar and it's been bad. But what I came to find out was that I actually desired to feel better, to eat better, to think better, to perform better. It was eye-opening experience. I was talking to my girlfriend last night and we were, I was saying in the last three weeks that I've per- persisted after a certain diet and lifestyle. I can't go back. And even in the quiet and private moments where no one could see me, I still can't have that Coca-Cola. I still can't have that fast food because I know that it takes me down. I was taking inventory of my health, you know, broken teeth and so on and so forth. A little bit of an over gut. It all made me feel bad the more that I took inventory, but I turned it on its head. These are opportunities to work on things or even in my vehicle as it's being repaired. Here's a big example. As my car is being taken into the shop, all foreign and domestic here in Stockton, California, repairing my bumper, I got a rental car. It's a Nissan Altima. It's an SL. And man, does it feel good to sit in that car. It feels good to drive in that car. I remember when my car was brand new, I drove it off the lot. What an important thing, feeling it, believing it, knowing it, seeing it made a difference. And then therefore I set my coordinates to make my goal. Well, I'm going to have to wrap this up because I only want to do 30 minutes. But if you found value in this episode, feel free to reach out to me at goodvibesjasonb at gmail.com. Or if you're here on anchor, send me a voicemail. 
letting me your applause. And you can also find me on Facebook as well as Instagram. I believe my Instagram is lionheart underscore 72. Um, and there's different things if you want to reach out to me. Well, you all have a wonderful day and uh, we'll look forward to talking to you on part two of deficit to asset part two. Okay, everybody, we're going to make a real life scenario. And it was inspired by uh, a medical staff that I in, in I dealt with today. And I was just casually talking about um, making time, you know, for myself. And, and it's important to take that time, no matter what, out of each day, just specifically for your process only. That means you're not working for somebody. You're not taking care of a child. You're not doing anything but taking care of you. And it really doesn't matter what you're doing. Some people like to say, well, my gym time is me time. And it's like, no, your gym time is a me time, but it is the physical remedy of you need to taking care of your body. But this is taking care of your spirit. What we're going to talk about. So um, this medical staff person was telling me about, um, certain things. And, and I just was, you know, my curious self, I was, you know, poking and and trying to see what was going on. And they were just saying, yeah, you know, it's Friday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just like, you know, it's like a down, downer spirit, you know, down, like someone's really exhausted. And so I just asked them a few questions and I said, well, you know, da, 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 da. And, um, and this person's married, so I really got, and I'm trying to respect their privacy, but it was, it was inspiring to hear their story and how so many times we are already in a deficit in our attitude, in our mental thinking, even when we're in a marriage. And I don't really like to give married people advice because I'm not married. Now, I've never been married, but I have been in relationships. And... I'm not here to meddle in people's ways of how they operate things. But, you know, when someone says, I can't have personal time, I don't have personal time. And I ask the questions like, what, what makes it not possible? So um, they were explaining to me and the parameters and the dynamics of their family and how they operate. And then they said something very peculiar. They said, well, my, my husband... He goes and takes off probably once a week or whatever and goes fishing. And I have, you know, a seven-year-old daughter and I, and I, or a son or I forget, boy or girl. Anyway, so they're explaining to me and just like, yeah, he gets to do it, but I get my, my gym time and that's supposedly my time. And I'm like, does he get gym time? And he's, and she's like, well, he doesn't really want to. So, okay. So what does he do? And he's, and he's out in the, the delivery industry and he comes home and he just wants me to make the meal and just you know cater to his needs and he kicks back I said okay so let's ask you a question is there ever a time in your from when you were dating to you're married and now was that different she's like oh in the beginning I said oh okay so you that was like the standard that you really liked you know you were you were digging how um, so to speak, uh, you know, the attentiveness of what a man can do or a boy can do, whatever you want to call it to you, to your needs or, or wants. And I said, so when did it change? It's like after marriage, after our child, he just, you know, it's my, it's my job to manage most of all, all the other stuff. And I said, Oh, well, that's interesting. And I said, okay, so is his job really that much harder? So she didn't want to say. So I was like, in my mind, no, not really. So you work a full-time job. Then you go pick up your son or daughter and you do, and you take care of their emotional needs and whatever they need because your mom, right? And they were like, yeah. And I said, so when is, when are, when are you done with, you know, your son or daughter? And they said, as soon as they go to bed. And by that time, I'm trying to wrap things up in my house and, this is like the typical story of what happens a lot of times. And, and, and it's a very touchy subject because, you know, for me to go and tell someone who's married of how to um, not only request 
but draw the line or draw the mark on a position to better their situation, it'd be better be one that I can stand by. So reflecting in my own position, you know, here's what I do. Because I'm not living with my girlfriend right now, I, after I get done with my work, I go over her house, I spend time with her. She'll cook dinner a lot of times or sometimes and uh, clean up, you know, and spend time. While she's doing that, I'm taking care of my daughter. And we had a fight not too long ago that was talking about, you know, she needs her personal time, her personal sanity time. And that really made an impact on me because I, I didn't feel like I was doing enough. Or she didn't feel, she was, you know, resentful for what I was doing. So, you know, my girlfriend obviously brought it up to me and brought it to my attention. And I said, okay, whatever remedy it needs, we'll do my best to take care of it. So just imagine any of you who's a parent, especially of a toddler or a baby alone, you know that even just taking a shower, eating your meal in peace, like even just for five minutes without mommy, mommy or whatever, crying or get, can you get this? Can you get that? You know, the dynamics of a mother is, uh, is really special, you know, and what came out of it was I learned as a man, as the, you know, the provider, the presider and the protector that I know I need to be concerned about her mental welfare, her mental well-being, because let's face it. A lot of marriages, a lot of women leave men or vice versa because a need is not being met, whether it be mutual time or personal time. That means you got to suck it up as a parent a lot of times, and a lot of times it is the mom. And when a guy goes, says, oh, I'm going to go take off going fishing, you don't think she's going to resent you for that? So, you know, it's like, well what the fuck, you know, literally what the fuck that's not fair. Right. But culturally in a lot of different cultures, especially for us men, it's our wives supposed to take care of us and we are supposed to take care of them. And some guys will respond and rely on that answer. Well, I pay for all the bills. I take care of all the needs financial. What do you do? And right then and there, it dawned on me, especially after watching this one video um, where this, it was like an educational moment where this husband came home to his wife, wife baked him a cake for his birthday. And the dude decided to be a douchebag and says, what the fuck? This is all you got to give? And so he takes a paper and takes a sharpie and starts listing all the things that he pays for in the house that they mutually enjoy, mutually. And maybe gives her money or whatever, pays her to go shopping for herself or do whatever. So the woman starts bawling in tears. I mean, literally bawling in tears. And she's like, and it's like a true, yeah, you're a prick moment. And so she takes a paper and starts listing all the things she does for him without complaint, without resentment, because she loves him, right? She takes care of his clothes, takes care of him when he's sick, counsels him when he's weak, when he doesn't know what to do to make a decision as a man. And that happens. Let's face it, ladies and gentlemen, it happens when your spouse is not at their their top of their game and you are knocked down to shit. Your spouse, if they're especially if they're a good one, is going to try to counsel you and uplift you in any way they can. But you can't abuse that. You got to be able to take care of them too. So, in the video, she lists all the things, and and she goes, and you take it for granted. I never get a thank you. So in the moment, the guy starts crying himself. And, and backs himself up like, oh, uh, 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 I didn't, I, I didn't, I, I really didn't realize because once he has to take care of things around the household, once he has to take care of responsibilities with children or whatever, it's added responsibility. 
Now imagine that if you were a working body and your both spouses are working, your child is needing you, it needs both of you, and you don't have two winks, let alone for when you sleep or when you have to work out to have time on your own. But yet you, your, your spouse goes, either go fishing, goes girls' nights out, whatever. They take, they they own their personal life and they say, no matter what the responsibility in the household, I'm making time for me. But the other spouse resents them and has a problem with that. This problem goes around in so many different parts of the world. And it really doesn't matter distinctly the man what does what he does and the woman does what she does. But it doesn't mean, it doesn't excuse you from responsibility of what's joint. And especially when it comes to children. You have no idea of what that means when it comes to kids. Because let's face it, kids, our children need both of our attention. And if you didn't think about that when you were making your kid, then I'm sorry, you don't need to be fucking or you need to be fixed. Don't create a child. Simple as that. And not a lot of us think, and trust me, I have three kids, three separate moms, and one of them I'm with. And I'll tell you what, when you create that void of how much one person has to provide, you have no right to be selfish. You need to really think about, okay, my partner or ex-wife, whatever, ex-husband, whoever, needs a little bit of time. How can I be of service to help them? Even if your relationship is over, how can I be of service? What can I do better? How can I add to a solution? Now, this doesn't mean to be a sucker or to be used. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking even single moms need an hour, two hours, three hours, maybe even a day for themselves. I mean, literally. And and how many of us really get that? So when the guy says, well, I make all the rules and I bring home the gold and I make all the rules. Well, you know what? Were you doing that when you met them? And if you let down that standard and she goes and finds a better dude or he finds a better woman than you, guess what? Don't blame anyone. Don't get mad. Don't get upset because you didn't take the time to really notice. There is a healthy time to do things on your own. And it is very important, especially for your emotional health. Having that equity inside yourself, that personal time, even if you, say like if you were single or whether you're married, having that personal time and saying, you know what? I can take a nap for this hour. I can read something. I can go to the bathroom on my own without having a know a child chase me in or having to drop everything I have to do to go cater to someone else when there's a perfectly able body in the household appreciate your partnership appreciate your children but when your partner needs time give them the value add value to them by giving them their time so that they can build an equity and when they have that equity and they like, you know what, my man or my woman, they, they, they step up, man. I'm so grateful. And then they're not as tired. So then the quality of whether your food, sleep, dress, even sex, um, your partnership, your time together seems that much more magical and appealing. And then it looks like those people that you see on magazines and TV shows like happily every after. Yes, it becomes, it's work. You know, even the person who is bringing all home the gold doesn't excuse you from your joint responsibilities. And what I can say is, going through this example, I spend four to five hours at my girlfriend's house and sometimes I stay the night over and there's been a lot of times I haven't. Because <coughs> after I finish up, not that I'm trying to make anyone feel bad, after I finish up, I go spend another two hours at night equipping myself, looking for the be- be- the next best opportunity, uh, making an opportunity realistic for myself, and valuing my personal experience. 
So when my girlfriend, she'll, she'll usually be telling me like, hey, go do something for yourself. Go have fun. Don't be a burden on me. I don't need you to be needy. I need you to be a man. A woman tells you that, that's a big warning sign. Buckle up, buddy. It's time to figure out and make solutions so that the health of the relationship grows. Otherwise, you're going to keep being put out, put out, and you're not going to get what you want. And then when the relationship breaks apart, there's no one to blame at all. Not one person. So take that food for thought. Think about your joint responsibilities of not what you're having to pay through your job, but what you're going to do with your spouse, your partner, or even your ex of how you're going to be of service to the joint responsibility of children or bills or hospitality, whatever it may be. Give them their avenue of peace and personal space because I guarantee you they will be grateful for you in the long run and you'll set the standard. Well, that's all the time. This is a little snippet and and just a little addition to um, what's going on with uh, deficit to asset. I believe that when you invest, like I was talking about, you really make a difference. You know, it becomes no longer a relationship in a deficit, but a relationship in an asset and equity. You all have a great day. How's it going, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Good Vibes of Jason B, a Broad Minds and More podcast. So today, we're going to work on Deficit to Asset, uh, Episode 3. This is the challenges, the personal challenges. Um, so obviously, I've, I've given the rundown about why it's important to manage your emotions, um, you know, to evaluate yourself, your status, whether it be your financial situation, your work situation, um, so on and so forth. Everything takes work. So we know that. We, we, and, it, and it's how we take the work. You know, there's a philosophy to some, like, take the, low, the road of less resistance. And that can be wise at times, and it can be unwise. And, you know, in this day and age, it always seems like we're trying to be multi-skilled and valuable to a company to not only get appointment but to or gain employment but to um, keep it as well so there's always some new technology some software and I want to give my own example about being able to work past those things and really focus on the prize so in we're going to talk primarily about the employment uh, sector, um, you know, it can be very dangerous in one aspect when we only depend on one paycheck, and we have to ma- manage our our family affairs. We have to manage our households on sometimes our income and our income only. Um, we have to understand the parameters of what that means. So, without further ado, we're going to develop a mindset and a strategy. And I actually, I was inspired by this book, Can't Hurt Me. Um, I was listening to audio by uh, David Giggins. I think that's his last name. He's a former Navy SEAL, Army Ranger, um, ultra, what is it, ultra marathon athlete. You know, he's done Ironmans and the Ultra Ironman, something like that. Done a lot of stuff. Very talented individual. We had to work hard for a lot of his things. So we're going to speak exactly and specific about those kinds of things and and the mindset that it takes, you know, in this whole process. So, okay, so by now you should have either taken a deeper look, how you're working, how you're thinking and how you're feeling. If you can master how you're feeling over your thinking Man, you are 10 steps ahead of the game. Emotional warfare in business is a serious deal. And I'm not really going to fully go into it, but we're going to go into the warfare of when someone tells you you're good enough, not good enough. Um, When you're trying to seek employment, seeking the right employment. If you're in a job already, 
how to up your game, how to ask for raises. Um, you know, so we're going to go over first the most important principles. If you ever want to get a wage increase, first of all, when you're lo- working for a big company, just remember you're a dime a dozen. You have to be extraordinarily like talented, like beyond. And that's the truth. Because there's 10 to 20 people behind you with your skills more than likely or have more. So it's like dog eat dog and like who's better than who and da 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 da. But how does that make us feel? It's like, I'll give you a perfect example. When I finished paralegal school at one time, it was like uh, nine years ago, 10 years ago. Um, I remember that one of my weakest areas was not understanding Microsoft Excel. I could type, I could format documents, no problem. But when it came to Excel spreadsheets and all that shit and making formulas, I had no clue. I'd taken the Microsoft suite, like, I think like my freshman year of college and it'd been a long time. I think it was like since 2003, since I actually took it. And so I forgot most of that stuff, but I didn't know the value. So like on every pretty much resume or, or, or job posting for paralegals, there's a few key components and they will ask you, you know, do you have Microsoft Excel, um, word and word perfect training? Um, do you have phone skills? Do you have organization skills? I mean, working in a law office is no, um, no easy feat in itself. It is a very complex thing. And here's the shit kicker. Here's the thing that kicks you in the gut when you're a paralegal. Unless you're working in a major metropolitan city, you're not going to be paid very, very well at first. You're going to get paid under $20 an hour. And here's what they tell you, like in paralegal school, you have the potential to make more than 40 Key word, you have the potential. So with all that being said, you got to understand what you just stepped your foot into. It's either you stepped in the biggest pile of dog shit in, in employment possibilities or you stepped on pay dirt. You know, I mean, like you hit the gold mine. So it's really dependent, like especially for paralegals, I'll tell you right now from experience, past experience, is that you better understand what the hell you're getting into. You know what I mean? I mean, it is very critical to understand what you're getting yourself into. Because, you know, you don't, attorneys, I'll tell you right now, they do not understand how much time it takes and hard work it takes to put a lot of their things together. Now, mind you, as an attorney, you gotta, you also have to do a lot of things. There is a mastery of knowledge and application and you work seven days a week. So it's kind of like, One's got more extreme work in different ways and the other has to do the auxiliary work. And some people think, oh, you should be able to type a document and answer phones all at the same time and look at people's shit. Well, sometimes you can't. Sometimes it takes laser focus to get that one proof motion out, whatever the attorney needs for the next day. And I know, I know exactly how it is. So how does that relate to the rest of the job markets? There are so many different jobs that relate to that kind of atmosphere and demand. So what they do is, is they'll say, you need these skills. Of course. Okay. Those are basics. You know, you don't need it. I mean, in some programs, they want it to be like a bachelor's program where other places, the paralegal program will be like, Oh, it's an AA. So what's the difference? One's a bachelor's and one's is like an associate's. One's like having a high school diploma and the other's not. But nowadays, it never seems like the education game is solid. Like there's nothing enough to really satisfy. People are in this constant trap. Oh, I need to go get more education. Oh, I need to go get this. I need to get this certification. But while you're going all into school, the one thing that they don't tell you in school is what kind of experience you got. So when you graduate, and I'm using my own experience, I graduated in in 2011, I remember, and I could not find a paralegal job. No one wanted to hire me. It's pretty much, I felt at the time, a woman's industry. I didn't ever see any male paralegals, and I just saw only women working it, or legal secretaries or legal assistants. 
So I kind of felt like I was at a disadvantage and I was like, oh, that shit sucks, you know? So then I found, I found a job later on down the road. I mean, at the time I was working as a waiter and then I eventually found another job where I was um, working for a company, serving subpoenas, copying records, uh, doing all kinds of other shit, right? Before I got what I have now. So, you know, I'm like, okay, well, whatever. So I'm asking my boss, I'm really interested in leadership. I'm really interested in, you know, up stepping up my game or, you know, just doing different shit. You know, I, I want to make more money. It's as simple as that. What I was making was like, what, 15 bucks an hour? And here in California, that's not enough to support yourself. So my boss says, okay, well, thank you for letting me know. You know, you're going after it. And you want to create value. So these are all th- jargons that, that the corporations teach you, right? So how does that help, you know, and what's going on today? Mm. Well, let me tell you. So the first thing is to always be a student. No one likes being somebody with their pants pulled down trying to accomplish something. Would you agree? I mean, realistically. So does anyone take the time to research the profession that you're getting into? And yes, it's a, it is a profession. And believe it or not, I hate to say it, but even burger flippers, you know, people working in fast food and restaurants, they are professions. Some people think, well, oh, it doesn't take much science to do what a machine does for you. You're right. It doesn't. But that doesn't escape the fact of what people get paid. You know, if they're spending 10 hours a day and sweating their ass off in front of a machine, that's hard work. (coughs) But the thing is, is you agree to have your time leveraged for a certain amount of money. So that's very, very pinnacle to understand. So with that being said, you know, I had to learn the hard way. And... I tried to create shortcuts through my education, tried to not have to go to law school, I tried to not do all this (coughs) specialty shit. And what I ended up finding out was, in order to get the really great work, I've really gotta get the value first. That means I gotta go and do the hard work first, get the training, learn how to do this shit, be a master of my effect and my profession, and make shit happen. Simple as that. Can't get around it. Now, some people feel like, oh, you have to be multi-skilled before someone will apply. Well, who told you that? You know, who told you that? So the real question comes down to, at what market rate do you feel you're worth an hour? Be honest. If it's not a specialty, if it's not in high demand, you're not, I hate to say it, you're not, there's nothing cute or good for you. Anyone can do what you can do. So for a while, I used to let, oh, I don't have any Microsoft, uh, Excel, and I'm just like, oh, blah, 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 making up excuse after making up excuse. And then one day I just said, you know what, fuck it. I'm just going to apply anyway. And I don't care if they say, ask me if I know how to use Excel, I can learn. Or I took another avenue with some job applications. I said I have light use of it. Um, How much of using Excel is imported in this career? So they told me it's not even 5% of what they do is on Excel. So I'm like, why such a high emphasis? And they're like, we didn't. We just want you to know how to use it. So the whole time I'm thinking, what the fuck? And so I was like, listening to other people oh you need this experience to get these good kind of jobs yes you're going to work in shitty jobs you need to go through the hard time and the grind <coughs> to make your make something of yourself to be a true professional craftsman you have to go through that process and I was talking to my friend Matt today and I said just like a, a blacksmith trying to make either a sword or <coughs> horseshoe no one knows how to forge metal right off the bat. Being a, a blacklit blacksmith is constantly working and gaining on his craft, even though he may be making the same shit over and over and over again. The truth is, 
He's doing it over and over and over to work out the imperfections. So, with that being said, have you ever been talked out of a profession because of a skill that you lacked or experience that you didn't have? How do we leverage the deficit of what we don't know to you know, leveraging what we do know? And that is the tricky question to answer. So first out, like I said before, mindset, mindset, mindset. You got to know that whatever it takes, if it takes you an hour each night to go learn a computer program, go fucking do it. No questions asked. Make it an obsession. Make it useful. Make it a part of you. Number two, like I said, you got to be a study, a student of study. That means you got to spend <coughs> at least a half hour a day looking up something useful that you can either add to your career or add to your life. Number three, be humble. Very important. You know, don't be too cocky because sometimes in interview, people can just be fucked up, you know, but people in charge, they're the ones that are hiring. What can you say? So, you know, it took me a long time to really, really figure that out. And I just remember days when I was in the Navy and as I was listening to, you know, you can't hurt me. He was just reminding me of telling me shit that I somewhat went through, but I definitely can understand what he went through. Now, I never went through Bud's phase or anything like that. No, didn't do that. But I did other things. So, um, with that being said, sorry. Something just darted out in front of me. I'm driving and uh, doing my podcast at the same time. Anyway, uh, so I was going through some stuff where I was evaluating my skill set, looking at my value. And I was talking to my boss about this and uh, one day and... This is a while back, and I was asking about, you know, I'm looking to make more money and taking on more roles and just just doing all that stuff, you know. I, I was just tired of being the, the grunt, the, the low-level guy. So I was ready to take on more responsibility. I was ready to leverage my situation, make more money, be in a better position for myself, create, create prosperity, because you are. Now, some people will argue about that word create, but don't worry about that. That's just semantics. Um, but anyhow, you've got to constantly create the vision of the person that you want to be, right? So we've talked about that. What do you see for yourself? What do you want? How do you want it? What is it going to take? Is there someone that's doing what you're, you want to do? And did you do the research? You know, most people don't. Most people do not look at the research of what it takes to go ahead and become whatever. Or they'll talk themselves out of it because of comfort. It's too hard. It's too challenging. It takes too long. I don't know how many people I know, but I can tell you it's more than 10. I've met people who, like, I have one friend and I won't say her name, but she was working for a pharmaceutical company and she was a pharmaceutical tech and then her company laid her off and I said, well, why don't you go to pharmacy school? You know so much shit. Why not? It'll take too long. And I'm like, but if it's for the rest of your life, who gives a crap? How long will it take? And they started explaining to me and I was just like, it sounds like you just got an excuse to not want to work hard. And that was the real truth. They didn't want to admit it. They argued, but at the end of the day, you know, I was like, I was pissed. I was like, what the hell? And then I've heard it from so many others. It doesn't matter whether you want to be a doctor, lawyer, accountant, underwater basket weaver. If there's a will, like they say, then there is a way. No bullshit about that. You have to want really what you're doing to be this thing of service that you want to commit yourself to. Nobody talks about that. You have to be willing to commit to service. Every job is being of service. It's leveraging your time for an exchange for 
resources that you you want for yourself. You know, you're building your your legacy, your nostalgia, you're building your, your life, you know, and if you're always having to borrow because you can't excel in a situation, in a, in your employment, then that also is a big warning deficit indicator that you're doing the wrong thing. So, you know, you have to put in time and if you're not in the place or doing the thing that you really want to do, I would suggest write down on a piece of paper what does it take get to know people who are doing it you know mm. sorry I'm drinking some water anyway so think about that um, I'm doing you know definitely working in that area for myself and I'm looking at creating value I'm looking about creating a business and here's the thing this is why they say don't tell anyone about your plans or, you know, especially for those people who, who like to talk a lot like me, you know, one of the biggest things that draws back from me is I would tell people what I'm going to do. And then a lot of times wouldn't happen. So then I look like a fool, but we're not worried about that. We're worried about changing for right now to now to the future. Understand that the parameters of what you're dealing with are the, let's just say the walls of your prison, how you gave, how they gave them their, their, how they got their sturdiness, their weight, (coughs) whatever could be made of hay, could be made of emotional steel. Doesn't matter. All that matters is, is you know that you can get past it. So with this particular episode, I want you to think and take away something what are you doing today that could really benefit you tomorrow? That's the simplest, most question. That's the first question. And second question is, is like, is this next activity an investment activity that's really going to harness my value and make it more explosive? Well, that's all the time I have a Good Vibes with Jason B, a Broad Minds and More podcast. Thanks for stopping by. Sorry.